0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Man, let's give our tech team a hand. Holy cow. Aren't they amazing? So cool. So cool. And that looks like a great movie, doesn't it? My goodness. I know you're thinking like how's he gonna make a sermon out of that? Like. I don't know. Let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Hey, but look, welcome to week one of our series, at the Movies. Um, It's going to be a great, great series. I'm so excited about it. um, Because the truth is, God does speak to us through things like movies. Okay, now look, God doesn't speak through every movie. Uh, I'm not saying that. In fact, sometimes if you go to the movies, the only thing that you're going to hear from God is, you've wasted your money. (laughs) Or... (laughs) Walk out now. (laughs) Something like that. But the truth is, God does. He speaks to us through movies. And look, and you already know this. Because God does speak to us through non-Christian, sort of non-seemingly non-spiritual things. I mean, for instance, how many of you in high school end up having to do a paper on some protagonist in a Shakespeare play who had a Messiah complex? All right? And... How many times has there been a play or a musical or there's music that deals with a Christian topic like forgiveness or kindness or generosity or honesty? Those kinds of things happen. Or how many times have you seen a show where there's some epic battle where the fate of the world lies in the balance and it's only saved through the sacrifice of, Of one person. Sound like anything from the Bible? Yeah. So God speaks to us through different mediums. And so, why not movies? So, in this series, we're gonna look at three of the biggest blockbusters of this summer to say, okay, God, what is it you're trying to say to us through each of these movies? Now, look, I'm gonna be honest here. When you go see these movies, you're probably not going to walk out of the movie and say, I've just met with God. Okay, that's probably not going to happen. You know, for instance, a couple weeks ago, um, I took my daughter Libby to go see Pirates of the Caribbean. And when we walked out, she did not say, Dad, I feel like I've just met with God today. In fact, I think Jack Sparrow is Jesus. Like, she didn't say that. Now, what did happen is when we walked out of the movie, I did ask her, I said, now, hey, Libby, did you notice any similarities between that movie and Christ or, or Christianity? And she looked at me and she said, no, I didn't really see anything, no, not, not at all. Was I supposed to? I'm like, so anyway, so that started, look, that started a really great conversation between the two of us where we started to begin to talk about how some of the themes of the movie actually do line up with some themes in the Bible we see in Christianity. And those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today in this message. But, check it out. If we can learn to begin to see God's hand and spiritual lessons through seemingly non-spiritual things in life, then that means that we are more in tune with God. That if we can begin to see God's hand in events in our world, then we are more in step with God. That if we can begin to see his spiritual essence and the way he is speaking to us through seemingly non-spiritual types of things, then we're more in tune with God, more in step with God, and more in sync with God, and we have a stronger, deeper relationship with God. And so that's what we want to do with these movies. So that said, let's see what God wants to tell us through the movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending or endorsing the movies in this series, but look, I'll be honest with you, like I liked this one. Like, I, I thought it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But without giving away any spoilers, here is the general plot. The general plot is that deadly ghosts from Jack Sparrow's past come back To haunt him and to kill all the pirates of the Caribbean, including Captain Jack Sparrow. And the only thing that can defeat the ghosts is the trident of Poseidon. Now, I want you to think about some similarities about what God might be saying to us, okay? Like ghosts, our past can come back to haunt us and to drive a wedge between us and God. And because of our past, we tend to believe things like, I'll never amount to anything. Or, I will never change. Or, I'm damaged. I'll never do anything great in my life because of what I've done in my past. Or, I can't ever tell anyone about, what, about my past because of what they'll think of me. Or, I've tried to change, but I just can't. You know, sadly enough, without Christ, pretty much all those things are true. But the only thing that can bring victory over our past, look, it's not the trident of Poseidon. It's the cross of Christ. And look, and that's not just hokey Christianity. Okay, That is actually true. And the reason I know it's true is because Jesus has been changing the lives of people since the very first century. In fact, today, let's look at a story in the Bible about someone who had a real past, someone who had a lot of baggage from their past, and how Jesus changed that person's life. In fact, this person, this woman that we're going to look at, she'd made a series of bad choices in her past, And it's these choices that have haunted her and affected her life. In fact, she eventually got to the point where she believed that I'm beyond God's reach. The things I've done are not fixable and they're not forgivable. And because of her past, she ended up getting swept up into a conspiracy to trap Jesus. And But what Jesus does not only sets her free, but gives us a roadmap of how we can be free as well. So let's read it. So again, pull out your message notes, or if you want to read from your own Bible, you can. We're in John chapter 8 today, beginning in verse 2. Here's what it says. At dawn, he, that's Jesus, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees Brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Okay? So let's pause right there for just a second. Okay? This whole thing is a setup. It's a setup. Now, it might just seem like the religious leaders just happened to catch a woman in adultery, that Jesus just happened to be in town, that he just happened to be out in the street near her house, and so they drug her out so that they could put Jesus in this ethical dilemma of, hey, do you obey the law of Moses and have this woman killed, or do you ignore the law of Moses And let her live. So what are you going to do, Jesus? But the truth is, this wasn't just some random happen encounter. It was actually a setup. And it was much more sinister and much more diabolical than you and I could ever imagine. And look, and while the Bible doesn't give us, I think, any of the plotting that went on behind closed doors, there's several context clues that lead us to believe that this wasn't just a random chance encounter. I mean, look, did you ever think of how did the religious leaders know the exact moment to catch a woman in adultery? You ever think about that? Well, let me paint a picture of how this problem went down, and so I think that the whole thing will make a lot more sense. First, you've got to understand, Jesus traveled around, and so he was never in any one place for very long. And so if the religious leaders were going to you know, catch Jesus in a trap, they had to do it within a very small window of time. That meant that they needed to have control over as many elements as possible. Okay. Second, they needed to have a woman who you know, had a reputation. Now, we know that this woman was not a prostitute because if she was a prostitute, the scriptures would say so. But we know that this woman had a past. She had a reputation. I mean, she was that woman in the community. I mean, her name was on the, you know, men's bathroom wall, you know, hey, for a good time, call, you know, that's, in the, that's how it was. And so, they and they needed someone with that sort of re- reputation, okay? Third, they probably paid a guy to seduce this woman who they knew would be an easy target, okay, like no pun intended, but they paid a guy to seduce this woman So that they, when the prearranged signal came, they could burst into the room and say, "Gotcha!" It's probably how it went down. And so then they bring the woman to where Jesus was. And by the way, where's the man? I mean, where where was the guy that was caught in adultery? I mean, the right the reason. Look, the reason he probably wasn't there is because he was a paid accomplice and he'd already been paid off, and so he was scot-free. And so this woman was brought to Jesus. And Jesus isn't in the street. He is at the Temple Mount. And so they would have had to drag her through the streets, probably clothed in only a sheet since she was caught in the act of adultery, they would have dragged her through the streets and up 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 the stairs to the top of the temple mount and thrown down at Jesus feet and said, "Okay, Jesus, now what you going to do?" I mean can can you imagine what this woman must have been feeling in that moment? Can you imagine what it must have been going through her mind after she had been drugged through the streets of Jerusalem and felt the cold condemning stares of neighbors, of people in the marketplace, of the religious leaders who now held her life in their hands. I mean, I'm willing to bet that if she could go back and change her past, that she would. I'm willing to bet that if she could go back to that first encounter with a guy, that she would have chosen differently. I'm willing to bet that if she could go back and choose a different path for her life, choose differently and make different decisions, I can almost guarantee she would. But she can't. And so now she realizes that she's probably going to die, that her life is basically, basically going to be more than nothing more than just an example and a lesson to everybody watching. Don't be like her. Can you imagine what she was feeling in this moment? Well, here's what happens next. In picking up the second half of verse 6, here's what the Bible says. But Jesus bent down and started right on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, and by the way, this is the first time that Jesus addresses the woman. And so Jesus, you know, straightens up and he looks at this woman dead in the eyes. And for the first time, this woman actually sees Jesus. And as she looks into his eyes, she sees something that she's never seen before in the face of a man. She sees compassion. Compassion. She sees a look and a love in his eyes that doesn't want something from her, but instead wants something for her. Jesus said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So here's this lady whose past has led her to be you know, swept up into this conspiracy. And honestly, she thought it was going to cost her life. And truthfully, had it been anybody but Jesus, it probably would have. Now, in the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, a ghost from Jack Sparrow's past comes back to condemn him to die. And look, Jack Sparrow, he can't, he can't change his past. And so just like the movie, just like the woman caught in adultery, your past stands ready to condemn you as well. Look, I, and I don't know what's in your past. Maybe there are sexual indiscretions in your past, and you wish more than anything that you could go back and change that first decision. Or maybe if you, there's been a whole series of bad financial decisions that have led to this, you know, mound of debt that you don't ever think that you're ever going to get out from under. Or maybe you've alienated people at your work because of your sharp tongue. Or maybe you're a student, and in order to find fast friends, you kind of got in with the wrong crowd, and now other people make assumptions about you that are undeserved and are really untrue. Or maybe you've got a record that follows you around everywhere you go, and even though it was just one time, you still got caught, you still got pulled over, and that past is part of your present. Or maybe there's an addiction that, have, that has hurt the people that you least wanted to hurt in life. You know. Or maybe, maybe you're keeping a secret. and You're just hoping nobody finds out because if they did, it would change everything. Look, I don't know what's in your past. But here's what I do know. Jesus stands ready to forgive you. He stands ready to forgive you. Like, just like Jesus stood up and looked at the woman, Jesus says to you, he says, look at me. Look at me. Maybe for the very first time in your life, Jesus says, hey, look at me. Neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you for what has happened in the past. I just want you to press on with me in the future. And so go leave that life and live for me. That's what Jesus says. And look, and this this is so important because sometimes we think that we're going to be forever haunted by our past. Sometimes we think that there's nothing we can ever do to get away from it. Sometimes we think that there's honestly no point in trying because No one's ever going to give us the benefit of the doubt, and so we're never going to change it. So what's the point anyway? Sometimes we believe that. But Jesus changed the woman caught in adultery, and he'll change your life too. So what is God saying to me through this passage and through the movie? Here's the first big thing. This is what I want you to write down, so make sure you write this down. I need to focus on my future with Jesus and not my past without him. Focus on my future with Jesus, not my past without him. Look, Jesus told this woman, he says, neither do I condemn you. Look, Jesus didn't tell her that her past was no big deal because the truth is it was. But he says to her, he says, hey, look at me. He says, look at me. For the first time in your life, look at me. Neither do I condemn you. So go and leave your past in the past and press on with your life with me. Look, and God tells you the same thing. Even through the movie, God says, because in the movie, look, Captain Jack Sparrow doesn't focus on the mistakes he's made in his past. He only focuses on the future. And honestly, that's what ends up saving his life. In fact, the only reason he survives is because he focuses on the future and not on the past because he can't change the past. So he doesn't live in the past. And so get this, you can't change your past either. So don't live in the past. Don't be controlled by the past. Don't be controlled by those past memories, those past experiences, those past habits. Look, Jesus says the same thing to you as he did to the woman. He says, hey, look at me, for the, maybe for the first time in your life, hey, look at me. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. So leave your past in the past. Don't focus on your past without me. Focus on your future with me. One of my personal top 10 verses in the entire New Testament is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Check it out. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What that means is that once you're a Christ follower, there's no condemnation for you. You're, you're free from your past, from the guilt, the shame, the regrets, the memories. Like you could put all that stuff in your rear view mirror. It's, it's in the past. Now look, yes, you should learn from your past, but you don't need to be controlled by your past. Because there's no condemnation for you. You're free to live your life for Christ. That's what God says to you and he says to me. Okay? But God says the second thing to us, and, and it's equally as important as the first. Okay, Here's what he says. He says, refuse to believe that I can't change. Refuse to believe I can't change. Remember the last thing that Jesus told this woman? Remember he told her, he said, go leave your life of sin. Well, here's the question. Did she? I mean, did she actually go and leave her life of sin? Well, the Bible actually never mentions this woman again. But we can be pretty sure that she actually did leave her life of sin. You know how? It's because... John wrote this book 60 years after this occurrence. More than 60 years have gone by. And at that point in time, after that 60 years, there are tons of people that are looking to discredit Christ and discredit Christianity to punch holes in the whole thing. And so how easy would it have been for someone, anyone to step up to the plate and say, hey, you know what? I live in Jerusalem. I know this woman, in fact, Everybody knows this woman. And I can tell you, she did not change. People don't just change with one encounter with Christ. So this whole notion that Jesus changes people's lives, it's a bunch of hocus pocus. It's not even true because nobody changes like that. I know because I know this woman. But you know what? That never happens. Nobody ever comes forward and says anything like that. And it would have been so easy to have discredited so much of Christianity in the early days with just one person stepping forward. So we can be really certain that this woman truly changed. She left that old way of life, left it behind, and changed. That's incredible. In fact, Jesus, or the apostle Peter tells us how Jesus changes people's lives, especially people who have a past. Look what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 24. He says, he, that's Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. And I want you to underline this part, okay? So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. So look, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he personally carried away our sin in his body. Why? Here's why, and it's the underlying part. Let's all say it out loud together. Here's why. Ready? Go. So that we can be dead to sin. So that we can be dead to sin. What does that mean? It means that you don't have to live that way anymore. You can change Your past doesn't have to control you. Those memories don't have to control you. Those experiences don't have to control you anymore. You can really be free from those behaviors, from those habits, from those addictions, from that whatever. And you can live like you are dead to your past. How? By refusing to believe that you you can't change. Because you can. You can. And for every person, That starts with the cross of Christ. Look, just like in Pirates of the Caribbean, when Jack Sparrow needs the trident of Poseidon to free himself from the ghost of his past, what you need is the cross of Christ to free you from yours. It's true. Your freedom in mind is bound up in the cross. So the first thing is, is you've got to make sure that you become a Christian. You've got to become a Christ follower. And you do that by asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you. And then follow him. If you've, look, if you've never done that, you have to do, do that first. And you do that by praying a prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes. But look, what if you've already prayed that prayer? What if you've already become a Christ follower and you know you have, but yet you are still haunted by things from your past? Well, what then? What's the answer then? The answer is still the cross of Christ. It's still in the cross. You see, you essentially, you've got to believe that what happened at the cross actually happened. See, the problem is sometimes that when people become Christ followers, like they don't always feel different on the inside. And so if they don't feel different, then sometimes they think we really aren't different. Look, at some point in time in your life, you've got to realize you can't live your life based on your feelings. You have to live your life based on what is true, whether you feel it or not. And so that means that even though you might not feel forgiven, you might not feel any different, you are different. You have been changed on the inside. If you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you and he has changed you. And so whether you feel it or not, you still have to make the choice to live on that truth and say, all right, Jesus, I am different. And so I will live different. I will not refuse to be controlled by my past or to live in my past or to give in to the things of my past. I am different and I can change. Look, this woman caught in adultery changed her life in one encounter with Christ. That's all you need is one encounter with Christ. And so you have to choose to start living it out. So look, when someone brings up your past, you just bring up your forgiveness. When the devil like comes at you in your mind and he brings up your past, you bring up the cross. Because the cross is where your sins were paid for. It's at the cross where Jesus carried away those sins, and you're dead to that former way of living. You can live differently because you've been changed on the inside by Christ. let so look. God is speaking powerfully to each one of us today. He's speaking through this movie, and he's speaking through this passage that you don't have to be condemned or controlled by your past. All you need is to be forgiven. And once you have been forgiven, You're not condemned. You are free. You're free. You're free to follow Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Your old way of life is dead. And look, just like pirates where dead men tell no tales, you're dead to that old way of life. And there's there's no reason to live in it any longer. You are free. And make sure that you come next week because look, get this: next week on Father's Day, we're going to learn some powerful lessons from a guy named Gru, Indespicable Me three. Okay, it's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. So, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for each one of us. Father, I pray for every single person listening today that is still struggling from something in their past, whether it was something from their upbringing something their parents said, or something they did, or something they experienced, something they saw. Lord, I pray for them that they would choose to believe that they are no longer condemned and that they are truly changed. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would speak to us powerfully through this passage and through this movie and through this message today that you would help us to see that we really are free. Free to walk with you moving forward and not chained or bound by anything in the past. And so I love you for that. Thank you for doing that in us and to us and for us. And bring us back next week so that we can learn more. I ask you to do this in the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.